0: Hello, and welcome to Security Leaders, the podcast where we speak to security managers, chief security officers, and professionals from across the security spectrum. I'm Neil Sutton, editor of Canadian Security Magazine. My guest for this episode is JC Roth, Associate Managing Director in the Cyber Risk Practice at Kroll. JC is an expert in digital forensics and incident response and leads cybercrime investigations on ransomware, business email compromise, and supply chain attacks. I spoke to JC recently about the evolution of cybersecurity and cybercrime and the types of threats that Canadian businesses should be most aware of today. We also talked about how security professionals can help organizations make the right decisions when it comes to protecting valuable data and keeping their employees safe, especially now that so many people are working from home. First, here's a quick word from our sponsor, commissioners Start seeing information security as an investment and not, or not as an expense. Now people see that. If you screw up, this has a cost, it has a reputational cost. The past couple of years, you've seen uh, the idea of Secure by Design working its way throughout the food chain. It's something that's that's spawned from the very bottom of the pyramid. It's working slowly, but surely it's way up the ranks. People are integrating security in the very process they're building as a veritable cornerstone of their business. My name is Jean-Philippe Descari-Mathieu. I'm the head of cybersecurity for the Quebec division of the Commissionaires. To learn more, go on commissionaire.ca. So welcome to the podcast, JC. Thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about all things cyber.
0: Great. What are some of the most common cybersecurity threats that are facing businesses in Canada today?
1: This is such a great and timely question and I think by now everyone is probably likely aware just due to its celebrity status, many breaking news titles, that ransomware still continues to be one of the most prolific types of malware that we're seeing in the wild today. We actually saw in November of 2019 that these actors started to shift their focus to actually include something called data exfiltration into their attack pattern. And we are seeing that this trend is rapidly growing in popularity among all the different groups that kind of circulate the ransomware wild. Exfiltration, if you're unfamiliar with it, is a popular pressurization tactic that we see actors use and basically what it does is it introduces the threat to publish stolen sensitive data. To a threat actor extortion website if a ransom payments not received so it's a good way to sort of shake people up and try to scare them into making these types of payments right now, we are actually tracking about 40 roughly, uh, shaming websites. And that number continues to grow each and every week. It's actually almost more common right now to see language that alludes to exfiltration in a ransom note rather to not see it. And just as like an example of what that would look like when you're looking at a ransom note, it would say something like, some of your sensitive files have been downloaded to our servers or something along those lines showing that they've taken the data. We're also seeing with this just an increase in pressurization tactics across the board. So just as some examples of what we're seeing this morph into, one example would be they actually will take this data, zip it up into little sections, I guess you could call it, and basically sample packets. And then they'll uh, send that to your competitors and basically request if they would wanna purchase it. Most ethical competitors won't, but it's still not something nice to have happening. We're also seeing them doing things like calling and emailing your internal staff, and they'll actually spoof phone numbers so it'll look like your CEO is calling you or your administrative assistant or something like that so you're more likely to pick up the phone. And once you do, they'll threaten to post data if a ransom's not paid and just sort of reiterate that they've been hired by the group that's impacted you and try to scare you. Another thing we've been seeing is a DDoSing, which is basically a denial of service and would crash your website down. And I'm sure you can understand in today's world with COVID-19, with a lot of businesses relying on their websites and having to move online, that can be really detrimental and a huge loss now on the flip side, aside from ransomware, we're also continuing to see business email compromises. And if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it's usually and how it would happen is an individual would fall victim to a social engineering campaign. And what that would usually look like is maybe you get an email. It looks like you have to change your password to your OneDrive. You click on it thinking it's legitimate. It asks you to log into your Microsoft account. You put in your username, you put in your password. It looks like the site refreshes and you're still on the same landing page. You think nothing of it, you put your username and password in again, and you log in. Well, really what was happening when it looked like the page refreshed is it's a redirect. And what you've really just done is willingly given your username and credentials to a potential bad actor. So they now have a working set. So what they then do with that is they would log into your account somewhere in the world. And if you don't have things like multi-factor authentication, uh, they would be able to get right in. And then what they do is they conduct different nefarious activities on your email address, which usually includes wire fraud uh, or doing other types of mal-spam campaigns against your address book in order to find new victims. So I'd say between ransomware and business email compromises, that's really what are the biggest threats that are facing most businesses in today's cyber world.
0: Um, As you mentioned, it seems like email is a very common attack vector phishing emails, spear phishing emails, sort of going after uh, your staff or emailing a group of people within a company trying to get somebody to click. What can businesses do to prepare their employees so that they're better able to recognize or or counter these these types of threats?
1: You're definitely correct. Just as a statistic here for you, in June of 2021, our crawl ransomware engagements actually had a 61% vector of intrusion as a phishing email. So when we talk about phishing emails in general, they do come in all shapes and all sizes. We see very amateur emails where you would be scratching your head thinking how did somebody click on this and we see ones that are so sophisticated that even you would be second guessing hey is this legit is this something that I should be clicking on now. The other piece to this puzzle is that sometimes an email may even be coming from a trusted source like, for example, Jack at ABG Company, who you worked with for 25 years, and you're unaware that they actually have had an email compromise, and it's really an attacker sending you that invoice that's attached to it. Now the thing is, I can and I will advise you to have security awareness training, teach people what to spot, what to look for in an email. And we always say the weakest link is the human being behind the keyboard. Now, the general rules apply of, you know, don't click if you don't recognize the sender, hover your mouse over any links and see where the URL would take you. Trust, but verify that what you're clicking on is legitimate. But I can guarantee you that someone someday is going to click on that link or on that malicious document. And we need to be building our networks with that assumption in mind. So having things like multi factor authentication on your email accounts so that if someone can social engineer a password, they can't get in with that out that secondary factor, or as another example here making sure that your legacy protocols are disabled so that they can't get around multi factor authentication. Having an EDR tool and point detection response is what that stands for. We love our acronyms in cyber, but that's a tool that can isolate or detect suspicious activities that are occurring in an environment. You can think of it like an antivirus on steroids and it's almost becoming necessary in today's threat landscape. Segregating your network so that if someone does get in, they can't disrupt the entire environment. It really is about a defense in depth approach.
0: So, with so many of us working from home during the pandemic, you know, taking our laptops home, maybe engaging with, um, you know, work or with uh, databases, doing it remotely via our own Wi-Fi connections or what have you, does this sort of complicate the whole issue? Does it? Does it make it that much more, uh, I don't know, vulnerable for companies these days?
1: Definitely. I mean, attackers are opportunistic, and with this shift to remote work, it has actually, as you said, resulted in a lot of businesses having online presence, doing things online or through email, doing things through remote access points. And because the shift to being remote was so quick and something that had to happen so quick with COVID kind of coming out of left field, a lot of that was done in a rush. Some of it wasn't done with the proper security controls in place. And just as an example, we've also seen, as as I mentioned, these opportunistic attackers jump on the entire uh, remote workforce, and people working from home. As I mentioned, because a lot of business is being done online and through email, we've even seen attackers use COVID-19 in their phishing scams. So just as something that was reported by the Canadian Center for Cybersecurity in April of 2020, they said that 120,000 newly registered COVID-19-themed domains were popping up and they disclosed that a large portion of that was considered malicious or related to fraudulent activities. So we really are seeing a trend in attackers jumping on this opportunity.
0: So you mentioned that there's a good chance that somebody will click on an email. Um, somehow, you know, your company, your network will will be attacked and maybe compromised on uh, a different level, you know, somehow they're going to get in. But um, if that's the assumption, then what should you do as a company, as a as an IT professional, as a security professional? What should your first move be in the in the event that you discover you've been attacked?
1: That is a great question. So the first thing I'm going to say is, hopefully, you have cyber insurance coverage. And in that case, you do need to make sure you're following your policy to make sure you will have coverage at the end of it. And your insurance carrier also typically has pre-existing relationships to help set you up with an expert team that can help assist you in navigating the waters of this incident. However, if that's not the case, and you're trying to, to some degree, handle this on your own, the first couple of things that I would always tell a client in an emergency situation is number one, prioritize data preservation. So when we think of a network, when we think of an incident that's happened, when all systems are down, obviously we want to get back up and running. That is everyone's goal at the end of the day, including us as investigators. We want to get you up and running as quick as possible. But we also want to be able to answer critical questions for you, like what happened. Um, and And that does require us to have the data so we can map it back out. I always explain this or try to equivocate it to something a little bit more simple that people can understand. Think of a crime scene. If you have a crime scene, the first thing you do is not going to be come in and clean everything up because then when your investigators show up, they're not going to be able to tell you, you know, how this person or this incident occurred same rules apply we have to come in as investigators and collect the proper evidence take the pictures get the you know hair that's on the couch so then put it in a sample bag so that we can go and do the forensic piece to reconstruct that story for you the second thing is to make sure that you're assessing your backup situation. In these types of incidents, your backups are the very most important thing, especially when we're talking about ransomware. It really is the only thing that's going to save you from these types of situations. We get asked all the time if we can decrypt files for them. That is a, for the most part, urban legend. We don't normally see uh, any types of free decryption Uh, especially if we're talking about more advanced groups. Occasionally, there might be a situation where we do see that, but it is very few and very, very far between. Um, So backups are your saving grace and understanding where you stand on that can really help in your remediation efforts. But just to kind of loop back, don't start deploying them or rolling them out until you've spoken. With the third kind of point I'm gonna make here, with a expert team that can walk you through what the proper steps are going to be to make sure you are preserving that data to get those answers for you.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, JC, for for sharing that information with us. You've given us a lot to think about. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, And again, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Neil. It was my pleasure.
0: Thank you to my guest, JC Roth, and our podcast sponsor, Commissionaires. You can find more security-themed podcasts at CanadianSecurityMag.com.
1: I'm Neil Sutton.